Um, as Tony said, my name is Sarah, and I am so happy to be here with you today. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. This is that week between the two, and our, our topic for today is a time of reflection. And I thought, I love that we're taking a minute or two to pause, to slow down, and to really reflect We can get so busy in the hustle and bustle of Christmas, especially as it gets closer to Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, um, that we can find ourselves tired at the end. And so I think that this week between is a really good gift. And I hope that you'll see by the end of today um, that there are some things you can reflect on from 2019 and then maybe anticipate for 2020. I don't know if you saw the email from Pastor Steve this week. I thought it was perfect timing. He shot out uh, five questions uh, that go along with what we're doing today because it's really important to make time to reflect on what God's doing in our life. And the questions were these. What was your favorite memory from this past year? What was your favorite memory from this past year? What was the funniest thing that happened to you? The funniest thing. I like thinking about that. What do you have to be thankful for? What was the biggest surprise? Now, surprises, I don't know if you like surprises or hate surprises. Sometimes surprises aren't good, right? But sometimes they're super fun. So what was the biggest surprise? Who were the most important people to you or your family? Most important people. These questions lean towards the positive, which I appreciate. I'm um, an eternal optimist, really. Um, but what I thought about as I was looking at them is that there are those of us that are, had a great 2019, and we can think of all the good things that happen. And then there are some of us that are ready for it to be 2020. We can't wait for the year to be over. What I appreciate about these questions is that they give us a perspective check, a perspective check. Because really, if we pause and think about surprises, funniest moments, things to be thankful for, and we look back, I think we can see that not everything was positive and amazing, but we can also see that everything wasn't totally horrible. Not everything in our life was catastrophic. We can really lean into some positive things. It jogs our memory. It helps us to remember. Reflection, or the definition of reflection, is thoughtful consideration. And so answering these questions gives us some time to thoughtfully consider what our 2019 looked like. As I was thinking about this for myself, I had the image of a roller coaster. Does anyone like roller coasters? Or maybe you did once. Anyone once upon a time like roller coasters? Okay, that's a reality check for sure. How it tells us our age a little bit, maybe. Um, I have a love-hate relationship with this particular roller coaster. Have, and this is in California Adventure at Disneyland. It's now called the Incredicoaster. Um, at the time, it was California Screamin', probably a more appropriate title. <laughs> uh, although I do like Incredicoaster as well. Uh, what I love about this ride, how many of you have been on it? Has anyone been on this? Okay, there's like... Okay, a half a dozen people have been on this ride. I love the beginning of this ride. You sit there with incredible anticipation, and it counts you down. Three, two, one, whoosh. And that is the best feeling ever in the world. You're, you're running into something, and, and it's great. And every time I get to the top of that first hill, I look at whoever's sitting next to me, and I say, I wish the ride was over right now. I wish it was over right now. Can you see where it says Pixar Pier in the center of that photo? That is a very big loop 
<laughs> and there are a couple times when it goes around in a spinny thing. And I have to brace myself for those pieces of the ride because um, although they can be exhilarating, sometimes I get through those pieces and I feel a little nauseous at the end. That's kind of how my 2019 was. Um, so I have to decide if I'm going to ride again or maybe pick a different roller coaster ride. There's lots to choose from. And, uh, and decide what I'm going to do next when I get off that ride. I like to look at the pictures because usually we have funny looks on our faces. Sometimes I have to go get a Sprite and <laughs> get my blood sugar back to where it needs to be. My 2019 definitely looked like that. I love the analogy of a roller coaster ride, although not perfect. It works for me. Uh, a year ago today, actually, I was in Israel. I was so excited. We had been planning a trip to Israel for 18 months. Uh, it was to, um, and partially to celebrate my parents' 50th wedding anniversary, which is amazing in and of itself. Our whole family was going, and uh, we were super, super excited. And that's like that takeoff on that roller coaster ride. We couldn't believe we were finally there. I'd only traveled overseas one other time, and so part of that exhilarating feeling was just getting to go see someplace I hadn't been before and someplace new, in addition to the fact that as a Christ follower, I just wanted to go to the Holy Land, right? I wanted to go see where Jesus had been and uh, those, the places that are associated with um, Bible and with the Scripture. So we're super excited and, and having a good time. And then uh, the first morning we get up, and we're, we're actually in Jordan at the time, hadn't made it to Israel yet, and um, I looked at my sister, and I could see something was wrong. I could see someone, oh, here's a picture of me in Israel. There we go. Um, beautiful, beautiful place, and we had a great time. But I could see something was wrong. And I asked her, you know, what's going on? She said, well, I got a call um, from my fiancé, and um, he um, is having heart issues. He has chest pains, and he's on his way to the hospital right now. And um, I don't know what to do. I don't know what's happening. Of course, we're, I mean, this is the other side of the world that we're on. And now we don't know what to do. And so it turned out this wasn't just any normal heart situation. He actually experienced an aortic dissection. I'm not sure if you, oh, I know, a couple of you know what that is. <laughs> um, where your heart tears. Most people die on the way to the hospital from this particular type of heart problem. So here we are sitting in Israel, this place that we were so excited to be. And all of a sudden... The roller coaster isn't fun anymore, and we don't know what to do. We had some decisions to make. Of course, she turned around and flew right home, uh, came right back here, and, and we had to navigate that. We've been planning a long time, our whole family, to be together on this trip. How come one of us had to leave? That was a real letdown. And uh, then we spent the rest of the trip really in prayer for him, and, it, and uh, the trip was amazing overall, but there was that underlying, how, how are they doing? How is he doing? And it was rough. Now, when we got home, he was still in the hospital, and uh, they were supposed to get married in January, and I'm here to report they did indeed get married in January, and last week was their, um, they actually finally got to throw that party, and so it was so incredible. Um, they go to church here, so maybe you'll see them around sometime. You can um, give them a hug and say, yay, we're happy for you. Again, the end of that roller coaster ride of 2019, I thought on this day last year, we were wondering if he would live, and we just had a party, their party last week. How cool is that? That's the benefit of reflecting on 2019. I don't know what you went through in 2019. Maybe there was a job change, the loss of a loved one, the birth of a child, a medical diagnosis, a, a rift or a conflict with a family member. Maybe things are just rough at work right now or with your kids, started a new school, moved to a new home. Those are all big transition things that can happen. And pausing and reflecting on those things can allow us to really remember those things, the good things 
and the hard things. And hopefully at the end, we can see where God was in those places with us. What we're going to do is we're going to look at a passage of scripture today in Philippians. So you're welcome to turn there um, if you'd like. It's Philippians 1, whether it's on your uh, phone, mobile device, or in a paper Bible. All are good. And we're going to look at a passage of scripture that Paul wrote. The Apostle Paul uh, did an amazing job of um, planting many churches um, in the first century. And he is currently in uh, Rome, and he's under house arrest at this time. And this is towards the end of his life. Uh, this, the space that we believe he's in when he wrote this letter um, to the Church of Philippi, is uh, there's a two-year time span in the book of Acts, Acts 28, that talks about how he was under house arrest for two years, so he's still able to do a lot of ministering to people. Uh, fast forward a couple years, he will be put in a dungeon and eventually executed. But that's not what the time he's in now. Philippi's in Greece, so he had traveled all over the world planting churches. And so he's writing back to this church that is near and dear to his heart, and he's spending some time in reflection and really thinking about them. And I believe that we can look at a few things from this letter that we can apply to our lives as we're reflecting on the past, whether it's the past year or the past 10 years, and also looking ahead to the future. So uh, join me in reading this now. I'm going to start at verse 3. It says... I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, All of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. I want to pause at that that first verse that we read there, um, verse 3, and it says, I thank my God every time I remember you. Wouldn't it be amazing if every time someone remembered you, they were thanking God for you? Certainly someone is. And I was thinking that's what we can do as well. We can take time to be thankful for the people who make life meaningful. Practicing gratitude in general is a good thing. In fact, I'm a huge proponent of it. I believe that gratitude is the antidote for discontentment and bitterness and complacency. Stopping and pausing to be thankful is a good thing. And I've started keeping a thankful journal. I call it my thankful journal. And um, I hate journaling. It's daunting to me, but this I could do. So I brought it with me today so you could see it, because it's not huge. It's, look at this tiny little book. (laughs) It's really small. Anyone could have one of these. And I write three things every day that I'm thankful for. Three things. Even as I was driving today, I thought, wow, the sky is so pretty and blue. I will write blue sky. It's not hard, (laughs) but it causes me to be thankful. In this journal are names of people, people that have impacted my life and made my life meaningful. This is a great way to be um, remembered of what God has given you, the people God has placed in our lives. So I have to ask, do we choose to see relationships in our lives through the lens of gratitude? Do we choose to see the relationships in our lives through the lens of gratitude? People that I'm grateful for, as I think back on 2019, of course my parents, they made that trip to Israel possible. They they provided um, incredible generosity to take us there. That's amazing. They add value to my life. Uh, My family that was there with me adds value to my life. This past year, as I reflected some more, 
was a big year for our family. I have three kids, and all of them graduated from something this past spring. Here's a picture. <laughs> so, most parents, families will tell you that one graduation is a huge transition in a family's life. Three is, I can't even describe to you. These graduations come with this unexpectedness, right? You don't exactly know what your next steps are going to be. And that's for um, your kids or for the students in your life, as well as parents. We don't know what we're supposed to do next. They didn't come with training manuals. <laughs> so two from college and one from high school was a big deal. This caused me to be thankful for all the people that came alongside us and helped us walk through that journey with them and help with uh, the celebrations. Two of those celebrations were two days apart. That, I could not have planned two graduation parties two days apart <laughs> in, in, all by myself. It's not possible. I think of my friends and my family who took time out of their own jobs, their own lives, to really make that special. And they showed up. Who wants to go to three graduations in one year, y'all? <laughs> They're just not that fun. <laughs> but they mattered to me and to my kids. And they showed up and they were there. I'm so thankful. We have a calendar that we put together every year. It's, it serves almost like a scrapbook. And um, as I look through those pictures, these came up. And look, all the things we had going on in December, I had almost forgotten about that. That's why it's important to reflect back. It's important to look back and go, oh, yeah, oh, my gosh, we did that. That was awesome. Persevered. And it was fun. Being thankful for those people can add value to our lives. Did someone's name pop into your head as, I, as you thought of that? I thank God every time I remember you. Maybe write that name down. You can write it down right now or put it in your phone, in your notes. I want to encourage you to shoot that person a text, an email, make a phone call, just thanking them. How would that make you feel to receive that call? We want to do things for others that we would hope would be done for us. And that's something you can do, something tangible. As I was driving here this morning, I thought, that's what Christmas cards have become for me. They're kind of a lost art. No one ever mails them. But I have people in my life from uh, the days that we lived in Las Vegas for like 13 years and when our kids were little, and I have so many families there that I miss. And once a year, I remember to pop a card in the mail to them to say thank you so much for the part of, um, that part of the season of my life that you were in. I'm still thankful for them. They brought value and, and replenished me and, and helped me be a better person. They brought out the best in me. I'm thankful for them. Who replenishes you? I say replenish, and we, uh, husband and I do parenting seminars, and we talk to parents about uh, replenishing and diminishing relationships. We have a tendency to be able to pick out those diminishing relationships right away, right? Those people that suck you dry every time you're with them. <laughs> so, and you're just like, oh, okay. And, and it, honestly, sometimes they're unavoidable. It could be family members. It could be coworkers, people that you're with daily. If you spend all of your time with only diminishers, you will be diminished. Who replenishes you? Maybe for 2020, it's time to invest in replenishing relationships, people that you can be thankful for, especially if you're trying to go it alone. Sometimes when we're wounded or we've had hard times, we just like, we block everybody out and we're trying to go it alone. That's not how God designed us. He designed us to be in community. People are messy. People are, are hard. They're frustrating, as are we. <laughs> so, but we can fill in the blank. So we can practice giving that same grace, that same love, that same forgiveness to people that have maybe wounded us so that we can be in community together and, and invest in those replenishing relationships and have people we can be thankful for at the end of the year. As you think of 
going forward into 2020, I want to challenge you. Where do you want to be relationally at the end of 2020? If a name didn't pop into your head of someone you can be thankful for, I would challenge you to uh, look around and uh, join a life group or a serving team or look around here. Maybe there's a new relationship to strike up, a new friendship that God has for you, and that will take in time, investment, and risk on your part as well. Okay, let's continue moving on and see what else Paul has for us. He says this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work will, will care in you will carry it on to completion. God began a good work in you. I think that's amazing. I think sometimes we forget that it's a good work. Everything good and perfect comes from God, and we are a good work. Um, but it's going to carry it on to completion. We're not done yet. As long as we take breath on this earth, we are a work in progress <laughs> in some capacity and in some form. But he will carry it on to completion. So we can be challenged to look for evidence of God's work in our lives. Sometimes we just need to look for evidence. The New Year's resolution video caused me to be reminded of New Year's resolutions in general. And one of the things I would argue is that New Year's resolutions stem from evidence of things that need to change in our lives. New Year's resolutions stem from evidence of a change that needs to be made. They're not bad, but we come to the end of the year and reflecting and we're thinking, yeah, you know what? And mine are always the same. Um, I need to get healthier, probably from six weeks of, of snacking on cookies instead of vegetables. <laughs> um, I, my time has gone from working out to uh, going to Christmas parties and wrapping gifts. And those are fun things, but those are, it's an evidence of change. I can't stay on that path and on that trajectory. And so what, what I need to do is uh, take a look at those and determine where I need to make that change. That's evidence there. But what I really want to look for is evidence of God's work in my life. And those can be a good source for that. Life goals are a good source for looking for that evidence. But one of the things I have to ask myself is, are they achievable? Are they realistic? My husband and I, a few years ago, we read a book, and I brought it with me today because I know Pastor Steve has mentioned it too, but this was great. So if you're looking for a New Year's resolution, put this on it. <laughs> it's called Atomic Habits, Tiny Changes, Remarkable Results. One of the things I think that happens to us is that we make um, grandiose resolutions, grandiose life goals, and then we give up because they were too big. And James Clear in this book uh, addresses that issue and how do we uh, make long-term life lesson changes. So he uses the example of working out. Classic New Year's resolution, right? We're going to work out. And so I'm going to work out five days a week and run a marathon in March. Except that I don't own running shoes <laughs> and I haven't run for since I was, you know, took PE in my freshman year of high school. I don't, you know, that's not realistic. So what he would argue is, instead of saying I'm going to run a marathon in March, how about uh, I'm going to become healthier. I want to, be, I want to be able to say that I'm an athletic person. So what do you do? You get a gym membership. Check. Success. <laughs> and then the first time you go, you just walk into a gym. Just walk in. That's more than you did last year. You walked in. Congratulations. The next time you walk in, maybe you stay for five minutes. The goal is, is to be able to accomplish goals that are achievable so that you are willing to take that next step towards the next one. So an example, I love um, to share my husband's examples because they're not my own. <laughs> so I'll throw him under the bus today. Uh, he decided um, at the end of this that he was going to floss his teeth. That was his goal for one year. <laughs> I'm going to floss my teeth. Now that sounds so silly, right? 
But how many of us actually intentionally floss our teeth on a regular basis? If you do, good job. Your teeth are very healthy. But what he wanted to be able to say was, I'm a disciplined person. And in order to be able to start that path, I simply need to floss my teeth. Guess what? He's a flosser. He did it. As a result of being successful in that, he'll never have to have a deep cleaning again, (laughs) which is good. But then it also, with that success, it was motivation to take a next step. You know what I could do? I could become healthier. I'm going to add push-ups to my life. I'm going to do 25 push-ups a day. He did that. That was it. Now, those don't seem monumental and too big to handle, but he did it. Towards the end of the year, he discovered a little book that I had actually laid out for him multiple times <laughs> called My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers. It's a very small devotional book, but it's filled with amazing things. And as he's reading it, he's like, wow, God's really speaking to me through this. Okay, those are three things he can get to the end of a calendar year and say, wow, I can see where God worked in my life. I've become a more disciplined person, and I've grown closer to God through the activities that I've added. Sometimes we just need to take small steps um, in order to have big success in the future. Small steps in order to have big success in the future. Paul talks about this a little bit in another book of the Bible um, called Galatians. This is in his letter here. He says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. We're likely to give up sometimes, especially if the goal is too lofty or if things are hard around us. So let me ask you, have you grown weary with the amount of time it's taking for God to complete certain things in your life. I know some areas I can get really tired of waiting. I hate waiting. <laughs> I want things and I want them now. I want to see the results now. I want to be able to run the marathon in six weeks. I don't want it to take three years to get strong enough to do that. So I get weary and then I don't pursue it at all. Ahead of this particular passage of scripture, Paul is talking about planting and harvesting, sowing and reaping. And one of the things that I appreciate about that is that in order for there to be a plant, you have to put the seed in the ground to start somewhere. But we don't spend a lot of time talking about what happens between planting the seed and reaping the harvest. It takes a long time. Other than a chia pet, I don't know what props up in a week, (laughs) right? It takes a long time. We have uh, several trees in our backyard. Uh, We've got a lemon tree, a pear tree, and an apple tree. And my expectations were that we would have lots of fruit on all of them, and they would be tall trees, and they would be amazing. Well, that's not how it worked. (laughs) Our lemon tree is squatty, and it's got more lemons than I know what to do with, which is cool, because that means I can share. The apple tree's been there for like six years. It doesn't look any bigger than the twig in the ground, but it actually had four apples for the first time this year, and they were huge. It practically like bent the tree over. (laughs) It was so big. Yay! We have a gorgeous pear tree. Not once has it ever given us a pear. It provides amazing shade, (laughs) but no pears. But I'm not going to cut it down because it doesn't give pears. My chickens love that pear tree. (laughs) Gives them lots of good shade. I didn't have the results I expected. I was starting to get tired of taking so long to get fruit, but I've accepted that each tree is where it needs to be at the end of each year. (laughs) We can be that way as well. Let's plant some seeds and let's look water them and see where they grow and what God has for us. Let's look for the evidence of what he's done in our lives. I can see evidence that those trees are serving their purpose. I can see evidence of the change in my husband's life through what he's done. One year, I uh, wanted to be uh, a reader. I said, I want to read more. 
And so what I did is I, I gave up uh, watching TV in order to uh, read, which sounds crazy, right? Who does that? <laughs> but I thought I really needed to do this. I wanted to do this. So I took a sheet of paper and I wrote down every single book I read for the year because I just wanted to see if I could do it. At the end of the year, I read 36 books. Now, that might not be a lot for you, but that was a lot for me. I thought, what in the world? This is so cool. I wanted to be able to say I was a reader. Well, I went back to school, and seminary is no joke with reading. As a result of placing that in my, my bucket of things I wanted to do one year, I became a faster reader, which is absolutely necessary. The class I just finished, I had to read, I'm pretty sure, 12 books in 10 weeks. In addition to everything else I got going on, I was so thankful. And I'm, I'm that student. I want to read every word. I don't want to just skip it for the highlights. I want to actually get the education. <laughs> it matters to me. And so I take the time to read. Thankfully, God placed that on my heart, and that was a win. Evidence of what he did in my life to move me along to today. What kind of evidence might you see in your life? As I was thinking about this, um, on, again, on the way over here today, I was thinking at Lent, we often give something or add something to our lives just ahead of Easter and we take 40 days to be really focused. What if this year for New Year's, we looked for evidence at the end of 40 days? We, that's February 9th. We're going to meet right back here on that Sunday <laughs> and see where we are. What, what one thing, what evidence can we see in a short period of time? Maybe not, let's not wait till the end of 2020 to see the evidence. Let's look at the end of 40 days, and that would be a good practice as well. But where do we start? How do we get focused, and where, where do we even begin and I challenge you to determine what your prayer focus will be for the next year. Determine what your prayer focus will be. Maybe you simply need to add prayer to your life. Maybe conversations with God have kind of slipped by the wayside. That is a noble and worthy goal for 2020. I would say finish the year strong now. Start having conversations with God. Talk to him. He says, Paul says this in Philippians 1, 9 through 10, he says, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Paul prays. He's praying for this church, for these people that he loves, and he's praying for them some things that are specific. He's praying that they would become more loving in character. Maybe we need to develop our character to be more loving this year. Jesus challenges us to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. I don't know that this will ever be accomplished perfectly while I'm alive in my life, but each year I'm challenged, what can that look like for this coming year? What does that look like? How can I be challenged to love people better? How can I see people around me that were invisible at one time? How can I be challenged to be more patient or more kind in my actions and in my words, to be more loving? The other thing he challenges them or, or, or wants for them is discernment. Maybe we need discernment for decisions we have to make. Many of us have really big decisions this week, next week, things that are happening in our lives, and we could really use God's help with those. We need to really consider whether our life is producing results we want to celebrate or to change. As we look at discerning, which ones can we celebrate, those things we reflected on, and what needs to change? 
As we think of the roller coaster, that's for celebrating to me, and I love looking at that. But I want to talk a little bit right now about things that need to change in our lives. There are those of us that we know exactly what that looks like. Maybe we have an addiction to something. Maybe we're struggling with bitterness or anger. Maybe we're spending is out of control. You know what that is in your own life. And rather than being on a roller coaster ride, you're kind of like on a merry-go-round or the teacups. You're spinning and spinning and spinning. I hate spinning. You go nowhere. And actually, mostly towards the end, I want to, I want to vomit. <laughs> Got to get off of that ride and get on a different one. Maybe that's the one thing that you need to make a change in as we start the new year. Because what we really need is what Paul refers to in Philippians 1.11, the fruit of righteousness, the fruit that comes with a relationship with Jesus that brings him honor and glory and, and benefits ourselves. He wants the best for us. He has good and perfect gifts for us, and he wants what's best for us. So what can we replace that with? Every time you say yes to something, you say no to something else. Maybe we need to say no to something in order to say yes to something else, something good, something better. Even good things can be replaced with something better at times. So that's what this purpose of reflection is. What do I need to say no to? What is one thing I want to see God do in and through me in the next year? In and through me in the next year. I have a list of words of those fruit of righteousness that Paul's talking about because I thought, well, what does that even look like? You know, what are fruit of righteousness? And he's referencing, I'm going to read a list. And I actually would invite you to close your eyes as I read this list because if one of these words stands out to you, I want you to write that word down or reflect on that. And I'll tell you why in a minute. But here are the fruit of righteousness that we could add to our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I have a few more for you to consider that are outside of that specific fruit. How about these? Perseverance, generosity, forgiveness, grace, hope, wisdom, strength, courage, gratitude. Did one stand out? Maybe think about that for a second. Um, Pastor Steve talks about having a word of the year every year that he feels like God gives him. I want to encourage you to think about what that might be in your life. In our family, on Christmas Day uh, every year, my parents started, started a tradition years ago. It's called the Christmas Blessings. And uh, my mom actually takes uh, words on sheets of paper and sticks them to live into. And it doesn't mean it's at the expense of all the others, but maybe this is one we need to sit up and pay attention to for this next year coming up. I love this tradition. It means the world to me because I'm always excited to see what God has for me. So we pull a name out, we pull a word out of the basket and we get to see what that word is and it has some scripture on it. So 2019, I drew the word generosity. I actually have the paper in my pocket. Brought it with me. Right here. It's super tiny. And I thought, wah, wah. <laughs> this is not what I want. I'd been going through a couple of hard years. I always want joy. <laughs> but I didn't get it. I got generosity. And that's where I lean into this and say, God knows what I need better than I do. He, my joy is complete in the Lord. I'm going to have joy with or without drawing that word out of the basket. 
He gave me generosity. And uh, I, so I've been reflecting on this. Um, have I actually been generous this year? I, I put that up on my refrigerator at home to remind me of what that word is. And I can honestly say I was challenged to the core to be more generous. For the first time in a long time, I actually had a couple people uh, who said, we're in desperate need of finances and we don't know what to do. I looked at my husband and said, let's do it. And he said, okay. And we weren't sure where the money was coming from, but we gave it away anyways. And I'd forgotten about those until I reflected back, that simple act of obedience. I'm excited to be able to sit here at the end of 2019 and say, well, we helped a couple people that we didn't expect to help this year. That was a good and noble and worthy word for me to get to practice generosity. When times are tight financially, I have a tendency to hoard, and I don't want to give it away. Uh, you know, I, I love to tithe, and I, I give to kingdom builders. That's part of it, but that's where it ends sometimes. Everything else is mine, my mind. Well, that's not true. Everything I have is God's. So I want to be open to hearing what he has for me in my life when it comes to generosity. I would challenge each of us to do that. Look around. Who can we bless and be generous with? So for this year, uh, a couple weeks ago, I heard the word perseverance from God perseverance, which I thought that's interesting. I have uh, another thing that happened in 2018. Um, one of my daughters got engaged. Wow, right? It was a big year for us. <laughs> and she's getting married in March. And that's amazing. I'm going to need perseverance probably to make it to that point. Well, I also drew the word love the other day at Christmas. And I thought, oh man, I love that. That's so great. Don't get me wrong. I love you, Vicente. I'm so happy you're joining our family. (laughs) Um, And this is so great, but my life is changing. And her moving on to something new doesn't mean I'm not loved by her anymore. It doesn't mean that things aren't going to be amazing. It means life is different. Life has changed. It will change. And I'm so excited. Don't let my tears be anything other than that because he is a good man and we are so excited to have him in our family. It just, right? Yeah. Woohoo! You got a (laughs) woohoo! But life is going to be different. And so a perseverance is a word that I need, and I need to be reminded over and over again that I am loved. I am loved by my heavenly Father who cherishes me and can walk through this season with me, a season that is good but ripe with transition and change and challenge. All of those encompassed in one event. We're excited about that. What word might God have for you today? What word might God have for you today? I actually brought with me uh, some blessings, and we're going we're gonna to have um, a couple worship songs to close out our day. Excuse me, I dropped all my papers. And what I have been doing over the past couple weeks is praying over these words for you. I don't know if you heard a word when I read that list. If you did, you can lean into that. But what I want to invite you to do during this time is to come up, and in the baskets on the tables are those blessing papers. They look a lot like I actually just took my mom's. I printed them and cut them up and and have been praying over them for you, that you would get a blessing from God. Look at it as a gift, a gift of a fresh word, and what might God be wanting to do in and through you in that this year? So as you navigate people that you can be thankful for, and you look at the evidence of what God's done in your life in 2019, I want to encourage you to look ahead towards 2020 with just, again, a fresh word and a fresh perspective. You know, flipping the calendar isn't going to make instantaneous change. The act of doing that doesn't cause change. Us being here today 
and listening to what God might have for our life, that's where change really begins. And so I pray that you can find maybe one thing that you are going to lean into over the next few weeks and that we can celebrate what God has done in and through us in the, in the coming weeks ahead. So let me pray over these and then invite you to just come up as, if you'd like to and take a piece of paper out of either of those baskets and then Lucy will pray for us at the end. God, I just thank you so much for the time we had today here in this place. Lord, you are a good God and you give us such incredible gifts. Lord, we want to take those and we want to be refined in character, Lord. We want to grow and flourish because you are in our lives. Lord, we want to look at the end of 2019, remembering the beautiful things that you've done, reflecting on the areas that we could grow or change, and looking ahead to what we can do to be, to be more in you. God, I pray your abundant blessing over every single person in this room. Lord, may they know your peace and your love, all those good fruits of righteousness as they enter 2020. And God, may they lean into who you created them to be. God, we just love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.